And we back, and we back. It probably doesn't go to the rhythm, but it's okay. What's going on, guys? It is I, Matt Rosetto. Welcome back to the Round Ball Revolution podcast. Coming at you live from New Jersey and Florida at the same damn time. John McNish is here with me, my cohort and uh, owner of Round Ball Revolution, co-founder. We do this big. John, what's going on, man? How you feeling? Hey, you know, pretty good. Got a tooth pulled today. Got some good news. So we're uh, we're having a good day today. Heck yeah. So last week, basically what happened was... What John happened was... caught the itis. He caught the itis. Um, and uh, it was coming at him. Uh, he wasn't, you know, ready for it. I wasn't ready for it. Uh, but then, you know, we got him... We brought him back to full health. He signed that $148 million deal. Now he's actually ready to... Uh, He's probable for game action, uh, like our boy Joel Embiid, and he is back. Uh, glad you're feeling better, man. Thanks, man. Me too. Sinus infections are the worst thing uh, that can happen to somebody where you don't actually have like a lot of long-term problems, but you still feel like you'll never get better. So thankfully that did not turn out to be the case, and I'm back to just about 100%. So Joel and I are on the same page. Boom, let's get it. Yeah, so uh, a lot to talk about today, but first, let's break it down, man. This is uh, Matt and John. We got Round Ball Revolution. Uh, this is the podcast for that website. Uh, you know what? Well, basically, um, just like to run down what we do for you guys every time. We have the website. You guys can check us out at um, roundballrev.com. We got the latest and the greatest from our writers uh, and the game recaps and uh, breaking down anything big that happens with the Sixers. Um, you guys can check us out there um, as well as uh, at um, underscore Matthew Rosetto and at John underscore McNish because that's where we are. Um, you know, we're glad John's back and we're glad to be back. Um, just so you guys know, we do have a guy running our at round ball rev pod, uh, Twitter account, uh, with us. It's actually, our, it's actually, is it, it's actually RB rev at RB rev podcast, uh, RB rev podcast. Yes, exact. Exactly. Sorry. I um, got a little excited there, but that yeah, happens. Nick, uh, Nick Auerbach, um, one of our, uh, faithful writers and uh not related uh, to red Auerbach back in any way can't can't be related to any celtics nonsense yeah no 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 he's not in no relation um at all but he's gonna be uh subbing in from time to time you know uh if i'm out or if john's out that's how we get it done uh and uh you know shout out to him for uh you know helping us with the uh twitter if you guys have questions he'll see them first so you know he'll uh he'll judge you before we do so you know you can definitely hit us up on that on that twitter account but probably yeah. not as harshly as we will nah 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 uh, he's he's a cool guy, um, Minnesota guy uh, from Philly to Minnesota. Um, yeah, he's a cool guy. He's got some good uh, some good insight to drop on us too in the future. So we'll we'll uh, thank him for that now and then move forward. But hey, man, it's good. It's a good day to be alive. Joel Embiid has signed with the Sixers for five years, one hundred and forty eight million dollars. It's be a great next. day to be. It's a great day to be alive. It's a better day to be Joel Embiid. Exactly. Joel Embiid is getting this money. Um, obviously there are a lot of things that we will, uh, get into with, uh, you know, breaking down the details of the contract, but on the surface, it's a huge deal because now Joel Embiid is probable to play tomorrow or tonight. Uh, and, uh, it's a beautiful thing because he is going to be playing. Obviously they were holding him out because he hadn't signed the contract, but now he's here and he's ready to dominate at the highest level. Uh, and John. On the surface, how do you feel about this? I feel great about it. The contract getting signed, getting done before the season starts, means that the Sixers think that JoJo is healthy and that they do not have any real fear of him re-injuring himself, which is good. They got a gift, basically, which is some built-in protection. Uh, Nobody really knows 100% what the deal is what's in the contract, like what the triggers are for his guarantees. Um, From what everybody is saying, only about 50% is fully guaranteed, and he has to play to get that. Uh, I was actually listening to Derek Bodner on WIP this morning, and he was talking about um, it being a high-risk deal for the Sixers this year. Like if JoJo were to suffer a career-threatening injury this year, the, the Sixers would be... Um, would be on the hook for you know half of that for over the next five years, but they're protected if he makes it through this year and for the rest, for the life of the deal, um, which is great for them because 
I honestly didn't think that they were going to get him to be able to get him to agree to an extension um, for less than the full max. I'm really glad that he's going to be here for five years. He's a generational talent. It's not my money. Uh, I'm very excited for him. Um, he's a great personality, unbelievable, like folk hero type of guy. He's made a huge connection with the fan base and his skill is prodigious. He is ridiculous. And I'm going to love watching him for the next, you know, six seasons, this season and the five coming after it. I uh, just couldn't yeah. be more excited for Jojo. Oh yeah. It's going to, it's going to be uh, pretty amazing um, from that, you know, sort of thing. But, but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a great day to be a Sixers fan just because you know there's a lot of people on Twitter. Um, I interacted with a few of them that were uh, you know kind of on the fence about it. But the bottom line is this: he was going to get paid. You know what I mean? Like he was going to get that max money, um, and we were going to give it to him anyway. So that's just the way it is. He's going to get that money. And one one issue a lot of people are having with uh, the deal is. Um, saying that, you know, next season he's just going to be a restricted free agent, so why not let somebody else sign him to an offer sheet and then um, and then just match it? And, you know, you pay him a little – you don't have to pay him quite as much because he gets – you know, they don't get the full max by signing somewhere else. But the issue with that is if you let him sign an offer sheet, he's getting a full max, a full guaranteed max offer sheet from somebody, and they're probably going to work – the trade kicker language and the poison pill language and all that nonsense. But the Sixers signing them to a deal now means that they are committed to him. They're committed to the young core and they control the, they control the terms of the contract. They control all the language and they got to dictate what is in it, which is really great for them. And they didn't leave it up to some schmo GM in some other town like Vladi Divac or I don't know. They already have every center in the league, but they, you never know. What, what could happen in restricted free agency. So it's better just to have that completely off the table. We never have to worry about it. And we get to watch Jojo dunk on everybody and be the best big man in the league for the next five years. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, you know, just, just thinking about Joel Embiid and how the impact that he's had already. So we're going to have that for years to come. And, uh, his presence off the court is almost as important as his presence on the court, which would have been definitely needed the other night. Uh, I know it was just preseason, but uh, we played the Celtics away over in TD Garden. And, John, it didn't look good. I, I basically put put it into one word, and that word was uh, unappealing. Uh, it was just – it was wild. Um, uh, and as we look at, into it, you know – uh, obviously, it's a preseason game, so people are getting minutes that they're not going to get and things like that. But, but John, what's your what's your take on uh, the state of the Sixers? Their defense seemed to be optional uh, throughout most of the game. Transition wasn't really doing too much, and uh, you know people are starting to get a little worried. Not me specifically, but you know how how fans are. I think it's too soon to be worried. It's like you said, you said it's just preseason and it really is like you just have to keep that in your head the whole time you're watching them because it was it was unappealing and borderline unwatchable a lot of that game. And not just because they have the worst Homer announcers in the universe in Boston. Like when you're watching when you're watching a play where a guy where one of the Sixers clearly gets fouled and they're saying that's a clean block or that was a clean play. And then they show the replay and the guy clearly like had had like a handful of forearm. And uh, all you can think of is, uh, yeah, you're being conspicuously quiet right now. Um, so it, it's just, they're, they're a mess and they're horrible to listen to. And I couldn't, I'm not going to pretend like I watched the whole game because I couldn't put up with it the whole time. Oh my god, I dude, I literally put it on mute. It's horrible. It's such it's a, terrible. they're such a mess. Um, and they've always been like that. Tommy Heinsohn is awful. Heinsohn, Heinsohn, I don't, I don't know where I really care. Um, Doesn't even matter, dude. He's yeah. terrible. And then so, they're just like. You know, I don't know if you caught this, but the very beginning of the game, they're talking about how they had interviewed Tatum and his connection to Fultz and stuff. And they're like, he's in a very different situation as far as the talent level on the team. And I was like, and I stopped for a second. And I just, like, I had nothing to say because their defense is terrible. They have a bunch of glossy, shiny, offensive players that if you can stop them they're going to get murdered and they will get murdered this year by Cleveland that's my prediction anyways but uh they're just so cocky and they just they're so they're such homers they can't be unbiased and it's 
it was pretty awful for me to to just watch but um but yeah no it the game itself was wild i mean you have uh you know the starting lineup was was pretty nuts you had uh Bayless and uh, Stauskas, Simmons, Okafor, and Sarge. And our, Sarge and Okafor cannot play together um, on the floor at the same time, it seems. Uh, the spacing is not there. Um, they both kind of like play off of each other. And Sarge and Okafor are both too slow to guard you know, any sort of athletic four um, in transition. That's why Sarge will be a future sixth man of the year because of how talented he's going to be with the second unit and, and, and destroy uh, people. But... Uh, but yeah, I I know you were noticing noticing that too. Yeah, they were not good defensively, and that's gonna happen when you start Bayless, Stauskas, and Okafor together, and Simmons. I mean, Simmons tra- has been trying really hard on defense, uh, but you know he's just not there yet, and he doesn't have the the awareness of when to switch, when not to switch, when to rotate. You know, he just doesn't have that yet because he hasn't played basketball in over a year. Um, that'll come for him because he you know the motivation is there, and he he's very clearly trying. Um, but I don't really, the reason that I'm not overly concerned with all the things I've seen is because it's clear that Brett is experimenting with things to see what works and doesn't work. And, you know, he said, he said after the game that last night that it did or whatever, whatever the game was that it didn't work. Um, and I like Stauskas looked like the worst player in the league last night. Like I was, you know, very, very hopeful for him to be a guy who could sit in the corner and jack up threes, but he was bricking open threes last night. Like nobody was coming close to him to guard him because he couldn't hit water. If he fell out of a boat, it was very, it was just very ugly. Bayless was Bayless and Stauskas between them. I don't think hit a three until the fourth quarter. And oh my the, God, J- Jared Bayless. Ugh. The offense is not going to look like that when the, <laughs> when, the, the, when the season starts. It just isn't. Uh, when you're playing yeah. Reddick and Covington instead of those guys, it's going to look so much different. And for all, for what everybody's you know got their issues with how Fultz has looked, um, all the things that came out about his rework shot being because he's compensating for his shoulder injury, as long as the injury is not serious, they'll let him work through it and play through it, um, and he'll just heal with time. But... I'm not worried. If you saw some of the moves that he made through a good defense last night, just spin moves to the rim, getting to the rim at will. Uh, once his jumper comes around, and it will, uh, he's going to be, be he's going to be able to pour it in. So I'm not really, yeah. I'm not worried about the core pieces of the team. I'm. A li- it's going to take them time to gel because they haven't played together. I mean, I would be ecstatic if they played. I mean, I guess everybody but Fultz tomorrow night. Um, I would be I would be over the moon, but <clears throat> I don't really see that happening. Uh, I've been really pleased with Corkmaz uh, so far. Uh, he's you know trying very hard on defense, even though he's very he's very thin and is getting pushed around a lot. But he's trying real hard, jumping in the jumping passing lanes. Yeah, yeah, uh, he had a um, he was a plus sixteen last night in nineteen yeah. minutes. Yeah, he was the he only played well. He was one of the only pluses, if not the only plus, on the team last night. No, there was there was a few I was going to get into. Um, as far as like people were really upset with Fultz. Um, you know, as far just because people are like expecting this like, you know, finished young product. kid to not to yeah did not have growing pains or to look completely polished. So, um, he was still plus three. Um, in twenty four minutes, uh, played the second most minutes on the team, was still plus three. So when he was on the court, they were winning the game. Um, you know, court mass was plus sixteen, the highest on the court, and then um, in eight minutes of play uh Ameka don't call me Jalil Okafor was plus 10 so he came in to get buckets and buckets only uh and that's what he did so so shout out to Ameka for that (laughs) yeah I actually like don't hate what I've seen out of Ameka Okafor this year I feel like he's a guy that you could see sticking or sticking with the team um at least for a little bit while while they figure some things out, I'm not 100. Like maybe they can sign him while Rashawn's hurt, and uh, you know, once Rashawn comes back, you know, keep him in a suit at the end of the bench. Uh, because you know, a guy like Stauskas at this point, if you're trying to, if you're making the team based on merit, um, he's not it. You know, he's not. He shouldn't make the team. Uh, it has nothing to do with draft. It shouldn't have anything to do with draft position anymore. If you're good enough to make the team, you make the team. If you're not good enough, you don't make it. And that's you know the way that the cookie crumbles. Uh, still lasagna, don't get any on you. 
you know so um so real quick while we're talking about uh the the game itself um because i just want to talk about the most recent game but Fultz was plus three but he was two for five from free throw um so 40 percent. i mean i know it's a small sample size but we're all talking about uh his free throw shooting mechanics and and the motion now john listen um you know i like have played with like old men that like come up and they're like hey let me get a shot you know and they and they put the ball above their head and it's the most atrocious thing uh markel fultz's free throw motion currently looks worse than that and uh, <laughs> so i'm kind of um uh kind of indifferent on it right now just because i understand the uh, the the premise of of trying to deal with an injury while also trying to you know uh develop a you know a, a fluid motion but dude it looks bad yeah that is uh something that uh i was talking to one of our one of the website writers uh today uh clay sourty we were talking about watching his free throw shooting form and thinking that it seems likely that he's having some kind of like a partial tear or some issue with his rotator cuff because he's starting the ball at his shoulders uh which is not what you want shooting free throws you want the ball to be a smooth motion from your waist to your head um to the basket it should be a three-step process deep knee bend all that good stuff um and it's just not anything like that it's just it's stiff he's starting the ball really high and it's he's not really able to get any smooth kind of release with it um and it's just not going to be good for him uh i'm hoping that it's just something that he's doing because when he's standing still and not in the flow of the game the pain is much worse for him so mm-hmm. i would like for that to be gone when the injury is gone if not sooner yeah, yeah. make i mean yeah it just uh it's a, it's just a little troublesome obviously but but as he as he works and uh, and gets through that injury, I like yeah I I uh, was part of that a little bit um, earlier today. But but I don't know much about the upper body area. I only know a lot about um, ACLs and stuff. You know, since mine popped um, and the MCL partially popped and uh, you know all that stuff. But but uh, but yeah, he's got that little little black tape on his shoulder to kind of I guess to keep it kind of yeah. It's like, called kinesthetic kinesthetic tape or K tape. It's supposed yeah, to yeah. keep keep your joints from over rotating um which is supposed to keep you know the pain level down uh, in that kind of situation um so k-tape is like one of the biggest most cost effective uh ways of keeping an injury from getting worse um so is uh, hopefully that helps him and it looks like they're going to give him a little rest he's going to be resting for the next preseason game um but i feel like even if they hold him out of the rest of preseason he'll be ready to go when the season starts yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I just uh, I'm uh, you know, it's one of those things. I'm I feel like things are going, and and this is just a blanket statement here, but I feel like things are about to get back to normal. Um, and by normal, I mean uh, we're not gonna look so erratic on the basketball court as a team. Uh, you know, as we head into the final uh two games uh, before the season starts, the two preseason games, uh, tonight against the Nets and then Friday against the Heat. We're gonna have more of a dress rehearsal type thing when it comes out, so it's gonna look more, you know, more like basketball how it should be. Uh, Okafor has looked well, um, pretty good um, as far as uh, being a little bit more aggressive, uh, trying a little bit harder than normal uh, than, than what we're used to and things like that. So I feel like uh, he's gonna be coming off the, you know, coming off the bench and and showing showing out a little bit, you know, and. Uh, you know, with him at the five and Simmons, you know, at the four or five or, or four or one, whatever. I, I mean, I'll go ahead and just say he's a four. Um, but, you know, with Embiid out, that'll be a lot better than what we saw with him and Sarge. Um, so moving forward, I don't feel like we're ever going to have a game like that again. I mean, obviously, I've, I know we're going to get beat. But, uh, you know, Terry Rozier is not going to ever do that to us ever again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, what you saw last night when Terry Rozier is getting in the lane at will against you know guys like Dario or guys like Amir Johnson or guys like Okafor, guess who's going to be in the paint in the regular season? The best defensive center in the league, Joel Embiid, is going to be the guy defending the rim. So that doesn't happen when JoJo's in the game. It just Absolutely doesn't. Not. It doesn't happen. And I am not worried about the team until... I know that Joel's not going to be on it. 
because that is the only thing that scares me about the Sixers is Embiid not playing. Anything else, they can they'll figure out. If he can make a team like have an elite defensive team with Nick Stauskas playing a lot, playing heavy minutes with him, then he can do it with anybody, and I don't care. <laughs> facts only over here at uh, the Round Ball Red Pod. That's for sure. Uh, exactly. Facts only out here. But yeah, man. Um, so basically, looking at it as a whole, man, we got. Uh, these next two games uh, against the Nets um, at the I think it's the Union Center in uh, New York. It's not it's not uh, uh, Barclays Center. Um, it's a it's a different location, but in New York, so you might as well just call that a a home game. And then all the way out in uh, Missouri for the Heat game, they're gonna pack so, uh, so weird. Those, they're gonna pack all those um, Midwesterners or Mid Southern. I, I don't even know where that place is. It's yeah, in the Midwest it somewhere. It's it's who cares. Uh, but yeah, they're gonna pack them all in the there, sticks. get some good basketball going on, and uh, I'm hoping that we get to see some Whiteside and beat action. Uh, it's one of my favorite matchups watching the NBA, just because of how good Hassan Whiteside think, uh, how good he thinks he is, and how bad he actually fares against uh, Joel Embiid. Uh, he actually did so bad against Joel Embiid that he uh, emasculated Nerlens Noel when Embiid was out later in the year before we traded him, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> it was just his revenge game. Because Noel was not ready, uh, you know he was too small to be in there. But Joel Embiid is not; uh, he is superior. And I saw I saw something real quick before we get into uh, <clears throat> the NBA news because I kind of want to talk to you about some stuff there. But um, but uh, but yeah, no. So talk like looking at uh, uh, you know Hassan Whiteside and those big name centers. Joel Embiid gets plateaued above them. You know what I'm saying? As far as his contract value. Mm-hmm. So people are kind of like shocked by that. But the reality of the situation is if you watched Joel Embiid play basketball last year. You're not he shocked. Was, he was better than every single center that he played against in the NBA. The best game that I saw a center play against Embiid was DeMarcus Cousins. And this, and he still outplayed DeMarcus Cousins that game. Yeah, Cousins you know, is great. Cousins is great. If like People can say what they want about his attitude and his, you know, getting a lot of technicals, whatever. Cousins is one of the best, like, probably two or three centers in the league. Yeah. He's a monster, absolute monster on offense. You can't, can't, you can't stop him. You have to just do your hold on. He's, a, he's like a giant bear. You just have to hold on and hope that, you know, he doesn't maul you to death. Um, but, yeah, Joel fared really well against him. Like, Cousins definitely played him well and played him hard, and I think – uh, I'm pretty sure the Kings won that game on like a ridiculous Cousins three at the end or something. Um, but Cousins is the only guy with a similar skill set uh, outside of maybe Carl Towns, but Towns is really just offense at this point in his career. So like nobody really matches up with Embiid when you can when you consider the full range of his skills. Yeah. Nobody has you know the fe- like those light 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 post moves that he has where he's just like a ballerina under the basket. Uh, could spin, could spin either way, finish with either hand. He's got the pick and pop game. He can shoot from three, and oh, he's statistically the best defensive big man in the league, better than Rudy Gobert even uh, while he was on the court last year. So, yeah. I, uh, I, if you, if if you don't think that Joel Embiid is worth a max contract after watching him last year, that just means that you didn't watch him last year, <laughs> and you are just thinking, oh, he broke his he broke his foot and was out for two years. And while that is true, you take a chance, like you gamble on the best player of his generation, because that's what he could be. And you take that, you take that gamble every time, or else you keep losing in the first round for the rest of your life. <laughs> I wonder what that's like. Oh yeah, we just dealt with that for years before before we trusted the process. So exactly. <laughs> oh, before we move before we move on to uh, the rest of the NBA news, one exciting thing that came out from the Sixers today is that um, Robert Covington's extension is all but done, and they can't they will be announcing it um, when his when it, the when he's eligible to be extended, which is the fifteenth of November. Yeah. Yep, so exactly. uh, I saw that today. Um, that's really exciting for the Sixers because Covington is uh, an elite player on the defensive end, and he's still progressing on offense. He looks great shooting it when he's as wide open as any human being could be um, in the preseason. So I'm I'm excited to see him come back uh, next year, or not not next year. I'm excited to see him come back in the next few games and in the beginning of the season and really progress and 
you know, show everybody what a valuable piece he is. Um, you know, I'm sure he's going to get like 14 million or so a year and people will say that that's too high and they'll be wrong and that's fine. People are allowed to be wrong. Well, yeah, the, the thing about, uh, and we could talk about the Sixers probably the whole time, but, uh, we will eventually talk NBA, <laughs> but as, as far as Covington goes, people are not, people don't watch, so they can't really, and, and that's the thing about this year is the Sixers have, you know, uh, 28 including NBA TV games, like 28 or 29 uh, games that are going to be on national TV technically this year. So you're going to have him locking down big-time guys, and people are going to be like, what? Like all these guys that write for like, you know, the big newspapers and stuff that actually don't really watch the Sixers or vote for the Sixers in any capacity because they don't actually watch them, you know what I mean? The same people that vote for Isaiah Thomas to get a defensive player of the year vote, uh, that type of thing. Uh, you're going to have those people checking Robert Covington this year because he is a top five elite wing defender in the NBA, and he's going to get paid like it, and he's going to deserve it. Now, uh, I will probably dig into on a um, uh, um, on a future piece these next coming weeks uh, that you can look for. I'm going to get into, um, after his extension, after Embiid's money, what the Sixers really have because it looks like uh, because of Dario, um, you know, signing on to his rookie contract last year. We're going to have a little bit more room. Bayless, Simmons, I mean, Bayless, Stauskas, and uh, Okafor uh, coming off. That's going to give us another, uh, like, $17 million in space, $18 million in space. So that's big time, uh, especially with uh, the team being as talented as it is. And you mentioned Joel being a generational talent. I mean, we have another guy. That could be that generational talent as well, uh, and he's looked fantastic so far too. And Ben Simmons, we actually really didn't talk about him, uh, so I feel like we should take another three minutes and talk about Ben Simmons because he deserves it. He does deserve it. Simmons <laughs> looks really, really good, and like I knew that he can't. Sh- I knew that he couldn't shoot free throws. I know that he doesn't have a jump shot, and I don't care. He I mean, is a ridiculous shot creator. Like, he sees everything happening on the floor, makes the right move most of the time. Uh, he's got a great handle. He's super athletic. Uh, you know, he just has to finish with a little more authority. Um, he goes for, you know, a lot of weird scoops and kind of, like, pulls up, kind of pulls up short a lot of the time when he really should just be uh, – he'll, he'll develop the ability to go up and around guys um, or to take – you know, he'll develop the Euro step, uh, like – uh, like Embiid and Fultz have, um, and he'll be able to use that to his advantage. It's going to be so fast. Once he dele- once he has those skills, look out, because nobody's going to stand a chance against him. He's, nah, a mo- yeah. he's a monster with the ball in his hand. He can do anything. He can put it anywhere, uh, put it on anyone, and once he fin- once he becomes a better finisher at the rim, there is no limit. Yeah, even without uh, the ball in his hand, there's actually a video on Twitter. Uh, I shared it um, on my Twitter. I retweeted it. Uh, I think it was like with a caption like "like Sweet Jesus" or something like that. Uh, basically, he's on the other end of the floor off the ball, uh, and they're down at the other end of the court, and he just decides to take off. Tatum sees this and tries to sprint with him. By the time he's at the basket, giving uh, giving Rashawn Holmes an assist. It wasn't at Holmes. It might have been Okafor. Somebody irrelevant to this uh, particular situation. But by the time he was at the rim, Jason Tatum had gotten to the three-point line, like looking in awe as to how fast this six foot ten uh, freak alien is. And uh, you know, it just really puts into perspective how uh, physically ridiculous he is. Um, and and like you said, he's he's a few things. He's a few pieces away. I mean, he did really play like a little erratic didn't shoot well from free throws um as far as like um his finishes and things like that but he will develop those things you, he, all of the pieces are there the maturity and the development will take place and it'll probably take place sooner than you think because he's been spending all this time on his body and now he's going to spend all this time on his game um uh, in real game action um as the team will be winning so it's going to be uh it's going to be great to watch um as far as as far as i'm concerned uh um, I'm about to jump into this NBA thing. Do you have anything else to add? No, that was uh, that was basically all I had. I'm just very excited about seeing Simmons and Embiid together as soon as the next game 
I'm like giddy with excitement right now. You can't hear it in my voice, but I am so excited that I want to punch through my desk <laughs> and just start flipping stuff over and burning the neighborhood down. I mean, because that's basically what's going to happen when they play together. <laughs> well, think about it like this: you got Simmons for another uh, couple years, uh, guaranteed. Sarge for another three. I think Simmons is three, right? Three he more years. This, he and Sarge are on the same rookie yeah, so, deal. So uh, another. The next two years after this year will be pl- uh, team options, which I'll obviously accept. Um, no brainers there. And then you got Sarge, or, I mean, not Sarge, uh, MB locked up for good. You got Foles locked up for the next four years. You got um, Covington about to get extended. You have all of the main pieces to the puzzle are locked in, and it's going to be a crazy ride. So just get ready for it. Now all we got to do is sign TJ McConnell to a five year, $5 million deal, $1 million per year to just be average on the bench that's that that, that's for the fans it's not for me it's for the fans john you can't (laughs) you can't get mad at the fans wanting somebody posted yesterday they were like uh now we have to max mcconnell and i was like like let's not get ahead of ourselves here i know you're being sarcastic but but realistically let's Let's really compare and contrast. Yeah, these let's, two. <laughs> l- let's not speak this into existence, please. Ex- exactly. But yeah, no. So, I mean, you got TLC, Korkmaz um, as well, um, all locked in. And then, uh, I mean, realistically, Reddick has basically said that he's going to uh, resign on a deal, uh, a more team friendly deal after we gave him this money this year. So, all I signs mean, point, all signs do point to that. Yes. Yeah, so, it's. Uh, it's a pretty good time to be a Sixers fan. Um, and uh, speaking of uh, being a Sixers fan, I will be there at the home opener officially uh, October 20th versus the Celtics. And just so you guys know, I will be the loudest one in attendance. Uh, I will make a mockery uh, of the Boston Celtics. And if there are any fans near me, because those fans are terrible people and they should probably leave. So. I feel like there you may not see a single Celtics jersey in Dude, Philly. It's that going night. to be, it's going to be hashtag lit uh, there. Um, I think I use that correctly. I am uh, pushing. Uh, somebody told me I'm pushing thirty the other day, so uh, <laughs> they were like, uh, you know, you're you're too old to be using those words, and I'm like, don't judge me. I'm just trying to be hip like the cool kids. Uh, but but yeah, Hello, uh, it's going to be crazy. Kids. I know, right? It's gonna it's gonna be cool. Uh, it's gonna be cool for sure. I'm very excited. Um, of course, that's not the first game of the year for them. They will be playing the Wizards um, on uh, Wednesday, October 18th, and I believe that game is national. So everybody will be able to watch uh, the Sixers go down to uh, to uh, DC and play two of the best guards in the NBA. Be a good test for Simmons and uh, Fultz early on in the year. Uh, now, pushing to the NBA, uh, let me just say something real quick. Lonzo Ball is terrible. And uh, Kuzma, uh, Laker, uh, uh, I guess fan favorite now, is better than him. I'm just going to go ahead and say that right now. Don't care what anybody says. (laughs) Uh, He just does more uh, as a basketball player. And it's not the same level of playmaking as Lonzo Ball, but I just think he's a better player, man. Yeah, I I actually like Kuzma's game a lot. He reminds me a lot of Dario in the way that he sees the floor. Um, and you know, but he's, he's a good shooter. He's a good playmaker, ball handler. Um, you know, I, he didn't have a good night shooting in their last game out. I think he shot like one of six from three, something like that, but you know, competes really hard. He plays, plays good, uh, plays tough defense, even though he's a limited defender. Um, you know, a lot of the things in his game do remind me of the things in Dario's game. Um, he might not be as physical as Dario has been up to this point in his career. But I do, you know, I do like the things that I see from Kuzma and I like that um the Lakers are like are going to be in full on panic mode about Fultz by like I don't know, to November maybe. You mean panic mode about Paul? Oh, is that not oh, what I said? You said Fultz. Oh, both. Yeah. They they are going to be in panic mode about Fultz too when he gets in yeah. work. But uh but yeah, no. Uh, uh, it just infuriates me that the Lakers lucked into uh, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, you know, uh, it's just one of those situations where uh, you know it's a diamond in a rough type situation. Not really. Yeah, but... the back half of the first round is a crapshoot. It yes. always is. There's like usually one guy that will turn out to be um, you know better than people expected, 
Um, or, you know, he'll be a solid, you're looking for a solid rotation guy mm-hmm. at that point in the, uh, at that point in the draft. And if you can get that in a guy, uh, like Kyle Kuzma, then, you know, you're counting your lucky stars. Um, yeah. so, you know, they have, they have good talent recognition. I mean, they've, dra- they've drafted Jordan Clarkson in the second round. He's a good player. Um, you know, Larry Nance Jr. is okay. He's like a rotation guy and they got him in the second round too. Um, I, I feel, you know, fine about that. I don't feel like we missed out on Kyle no. Kuzma because, no, uh, when they bring over, uh, what's his face, uh, next year, um, the Aussie, the, the maniac, Jonah Bolden, uh, Jonah next Bolden. year, mm-hmm. like Jonah Bolden is a stud. I thought you were going to say uh, Lasort too, because uh, I saw a highlight. Of him no, Lasort, yeah, Lasort, it dunks on everyone in Europe. <laughs> everyone. He, he dunks care about on everybody. No regard for human. No regard for human life. He will dunk on you. He'll dunk on your mom. He'll dunk on your little cousin. He doesn't really care. And I like. I dig that about him. I like you know aggressive uh, people, especially when a lot of the European guys get that soft label. Um, Lasort is not that. That dude is physical and tough and will ruin your life if you give him the chance. Dude, I forgot about Jonah Bolden too. Oh my god, this dude! I feel like everybody so everybody forgets about Jonah Bolden. Like I, uh, I like when I saw Rashawn like kind of you know not looking as as strong defensively as he had in the past this year. Like not really rotating quick quickly enough. Not really competing as hard on the boards. I was like, yeah, you know, I would really like that to change when the season starts. But if it doesn't. Jonah Bolden is coming next year, and he will dunk on everybody in Rashawn's memory. If that's no, what needs no to happen, like I like Rashawn Holmes a lot. I think that you know he's got a good skill set for today's game. But Bolden is taller, better, more athletic. Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm good with Jonah Bolden being here. That's a, that he he's a guy. That's a stud that they picked out in the second round. Yeah, that's that's true. And while we're at it, uh, we didn't talk about Rahomes, uh, uh, Rashawn Holmes' uh, injury. Uh, what's your take on how they should play replacing him, basically, uh, for the for the next couple of weeks? It said three weeks, I believe. Yeah, I think you know the backup minutes instead of playing uh, Amir Johnson at the, more at the four. I feel like it's just going to be Okafor and Johnson splitting all the minutes at the five, um, and they're just going to be really playing Simmons back like more as a four with uh, Dario coming off the bench behind him. Um, or, you know, they could run, you know, sm- some small lineups with Dario at the five, uh, Ben at the four, you know, Covington, all that. And and by small, I mean, th- that's still, like, they're still giants. So that's still a big enough lineup to compete. But I, it's just going to be very interesting to see what Brett Brown's rotation looks like without yeah. Rashawn Holmes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be crazy. But but like you said, man, we ha- we've drafted uh, – uh, a lot of talent behind not only the starters but our backups too so it's uh it's pretty exciting stuff now um uh we didn't get to talk about this last week because you were uh fighting the plague uh but the nba lottery uh system was uh reformed and changed uh uh to a more favorable system to not tank even though that's not exactly what it did it actually didn't do that at all uh, what's your take on that there they basically just made it so that if you're number four, your odds aren't as bad. And if you're, <laughs> and if you and if you ta- if you tanked for number one, you could fall to number five. That's like they basically they basically made it so that if you tank, you could have wor- you could have like a worse outcome than you have been getting. But that still doesn't remove the incentive to do it because you still have the best odds if you have the worst record. Like that is still the way that it goes, and that's the way that it should be, because if you're bad. The only way to to guarantee to give yourself a good shot to guarantee yourself a good chance to get better is to get the number one overall pick. That is the way that the, it works in basketball, and like teams can turn their fortunes around instantly by drafting the guy, and they can if they're completely inept they can pick the wrong guy and continue being a disaster. But then that is their own, that's on them. That's their own fault. You have to give the teams that can't sign big time guys the chance to get big time guys. You can't yep, just do away. You can't you, you can't just do away with that. That's mm-hmm. how. Uh, like yeah, sometimes it works out for teams that had suffered a catastrophic injury to their best player, like the Spurs when they got Tim Duncan, like that, and that led to them being a dynasty and winning four championships. 
but good for them. That wasn't just because they got Tim Duncan. Sure, that was a huge part of it, and they also have the greatest coach of all time. And one of the um, best centers of all time. Yeah, David I mean, Robinson. yeah, David Robinson was great, and playing him and Duncan together was great, but they also drafted Tony Parker. They also drafted Manu Ginobili. Those guys were late first-round picks. Drafted um, Stash. Yeah, they drafted Stash a ton of guys that contribute at the NBA level. They they plucked Kawhi Leonard out of the late lottery. Or the end, of, or you know, the mid first round, whatever you want to call it, they because they can recognize and develop talent is why they won four cha- four championships, not because they got lucky in the lottery when they when David Robinson got hurt. Um, but so you can't. I know that you they want to decrease tanking, but you there you can't. There's really no way around it. Like teams have to have a chance to get better, you know, whether you like it or not. Yeah, and I mean by the same, uh, you know, on the. Uh, the same side of that is teams that are fringe playoff teams that really don't feel like they're going to make any noise. They could just decide, oh, well, I don't have to go too far. You know, as far as, you know what I mean? I don't have to go too far to get to five or four instead of getting to one. Like normal, if you're like, oh, I might as well try because we're like in the six to eight, like, you know, no man's land of of the uh, draft lottery. Um, and they would just push to get like five, four, three, like in that range. And they could have, you know, a really, really good shot of getting number one and moving past whoever has the worst record in the league. And you could go from, you know, being like a mid-level, like almost playoff team to a contender with that sort of thing. So I don't feel like they really did a good job with that. Uh, but but I do think that it's really good for the Sixers um, uh, as far as, uh, you know, they came in and they, they were like, yeah, we're, heck yeah, reform that-ish. Let's do it. And you know why, because the way that their team is set up, uh, the Lakers could be a four or a five uh, as far as their lottery odds, and they could jump the number one and have a higher chance. Well, that's actually not true because it doesn't go into effect this upcoming draft. It's next year. Oh, it's next year. Okay, so even the same thing It's like a a mortal lock that the Kings will be a top, have one of the five worst records in the league. Exactly. So so that'll play into, uh, uh, yeah, and I I didn't even realize that. That was my bad. uh, Oh, no, it's all good. I actually do have, like, a way that they could reform, like, get rid of some tanking. Um, The small-scale tanking, at least, where teams, like, lose a certain amount of games to to have a certain uh, number in the lottery or whatever. Yeah. Get rid of being able to trade protections on picks. Like, the picks have to be just traded whole, and that's it. Like, I understand that they do it because teams are terrified, and they think that protecting picks leads to more trades, which it probably does. But if you get rid of pick protections, when being able to trade picks with protections, um, you eliminate a lot of tanking because teams will not be losing games on purpose to get to eight to get to the eighth seed so that they can keep their pick. Um if they aren't getting it anyway, what incentive do they have to what incentive do they have to keep trying to try to win? It's a good point. Or to, to not to try to win. Uh, so I feel like that would eliminate a lot of the small scale tanking, but there is no way to eliminate the large scale, like the teams that just want to lose a ton of games and get the number one pick. Yeah, I mean I agree with that, and that's a that's a really good point um, as far as that's concerned. But uh, but you know it's gonna be interesting to see um, how that develops. Uh, Next year, not this year. Uh, dumb Matt with the uh, with the uh, hashtag fake news over here. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's exciting uh, for the Sixers. Uh, you know, in the future with all of this stuff. I mean, if the Lakers pick this year falls between two and five, it doesn't even matter anyway. Wherever the Kings pick falls, we'll have it. But that being said, uh, you know, the Lakers could get number one this year. Uh, somehow, some way, uh, they could because I don't feel like they're going to even be able to handle anybody in the West, including OKC, who, since we've chatted last, uh, paid Russell Westbrook and traded for Carmelo Anthony, and they look super fun, and I'm really excited about it. I really like that lineup. If they're going to play Russ at the 1, George at the 2, Melo at the 3, Pat Pat at the 4, and Adams at the 5, they are super, super dangerous uh, against everybody in the league. Um, and when they go small and play Pat Pat at the five with Mello at the four, George at the three, uh, Russ at the one, and who cares at the two? Um, it'll probably be Roberson, <laughs> but, he, but but I hate Andre Roberson. He sucks. He can't shoot at all. No. Um, he's he not a free to, though. Yeah, I agree with that. He gets, but he, that's the thing that they need in that lineup is guys who can catch and shoot because they have one of the best 
uh, driving guards in the league. Like, Westbrook is an elite slash and kick player, whether you like him or not. I know that there are people out there that don't, and I don't really understand how they've even made it this far in life um, because they don't, you know, how to appreciate it. They don't know how to appreciate something fun. Um, but Westbrook is an elite slash and kick player. He is going to get Paul George and Carmelo so many open shots. So many. And Carmelo morphed into, like, this ridiculous uh, high-efficiency catch-and-shoot player last year. Um playing with that bunch of stiffs in New York. So I'm very excited uh, about the possibilities there. It's been, you know, Pat Pat turned himself into a good... Pat Pat is Patrick Patterson. I didn't really say his name. So in case you're not as as like crazy of a person as me, you Pat don't Pat. know who all these people are that I'm talking about. Uh, Patrick Patterson is a very good corner three-point shooter for a big guy. And uh, I feel like he's also, you know, very competitive defensively and on, on the glass. Um, so he gives them a nice player and i can't i just can't believe how little he got signed for because uh, he is a very he's a good player and i like him um but i'm very excited to watch okc this year i think they're going to be very fun they're going to be very good um and i'm very interested to see how that all plays out oh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting i think uh they're gonna be super fun this is the thing man carmelo going to the, uh, to the oklahoma city thunder is like when i go to the y and I see everybody playing, and I see, like, all of these legit guys on one team, and I'm like, yo, can I run with you guys? And I'm like, a guy that's there, and I don't have to do anything I don't want to do, and I can just shoot when I catch the ball because I'll be open most likely. And, and that's exactly how Melo's going to have it. He's not going to have to guard the best player on the court. He's not going to have to try on defense realistically. He can just be like, oh, well. And then he's just going to shoot open jump shots. And I don't know if you guys have been paying attention this summer, but Hoodie Mello gets buckets. He's been making threes all summer long, prepping himself. He's got that old body, but he is putting that work in to make an impact this year. Mello is going to dominate. He might get a most most improved player. And I don't know how you could even consider that an actual thing, but he will because he's going to be so efficient having to do minimal things he's gonna have to do so much less than he was expected of in the big apple it's just facts he's gonna go and he's has he has two alphas people always could say that they think paul george is the beta you're an idiot you're wrong he was in a weird situation he's an alpha you got russ is one of the best alphas in the nba just handles his business and you're these guys they're gonna struggle to defend those two and then he's gonna be like oh yeah i'm open for three here you go bang People forget that Carmelo has been in the league for 14 years, and he has gotten buckets in 14 years. He's won yes. a scoring title. He's been on some terrible teams. Uh, he has been one of the most dominant isolation scorers in the league for the, that for that entire career. He averaged 20 points a game his first year in the league, and he hasn't looked back since. I think that Carmelo is a very good scorer, and the way that OKC is constituted really place to his strengths as where he to where he's developed at this point in his career he doesn't really have the same lift or you know he never really had great athleticism to begin with but he uh <clears throat> he isn't really going to have to do anything paul george is going to guard the best perimeter player on the other team russ can guard the next best perimeter guy like so that leaves carmelo playing the, the guy who's standing in the corner waiting to shoot threes because he doesn't have to guard one of the bigs because Adams and Patterson are both good defenders. Um, he's in a great situation for the first time, probably in his whole career, um, and I really am excited for that to see uh, to see how much he's going to care about it because it's the first time he really has to care since that first year with Amari in New York. Yeah, I feel that. Well, Bef- you know, before Amari's knees exploded. Yeah. Right. Hi. R.I.P. Amari's niece. Uh, but, but you know what's so funny? What just happened just now? Is Andrew a perfect McDonald's e- scored a goal. No. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I mean, God. That, did, that, did, that did happen. But that's, I don't, that's I don't want to know that. I want him to be out of here. But, hey, uh, you know, I digress. The Flyers winning is great. The Eagles winning is great. Uh, shouts out to Carson Wentz balling out. Um, <laughs> but, anyways, uh, what just happened was a perfect uh, description of round ball revolution. I got really hype and I said some stuff. And then you said it with more intellect and more insight. That's exactly what this podcast is. I'm glad that it is, it is. That is 100% the point of this podcast is for Matt to get too excited and me to back it up. That's all that happens <laughs> on this podcast. It's beautiful, guys. It's freaking 
beautiful. Honestly. Also, uh, Russell Westbrook has 14 points in the first quarter of that uh, OKC game tonight. In case uh, anybody was wondering, or yeah, it's ridiculous. It's it's uh, it's crazy. He's going he's going to uh, have a real good shot to win the might average he might, again. he might average 15 assists a game. Dude, he's gonna just pass to a lot of just stupid just situation it's just gonna it's gonna be fun uh but yeah no so Melo gets to be super lazy in okc and it's beautiful um uh but yeah living the dream uh, living the dream man and we're living the dream here at round ball revolution uh it's beautiful you know we we had a really good first week uh as far as uh traffic goes what was it 700 website hits the first week yeah we had a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of people coming through to check us out uh we're gonna keep putting out good content we're going to keep uh, providing the best comprehensive coverage of the Sixers in Philadelphia that you don't have to pay for. And maybe that may be without that qualifier, too. We're going to do our best. Um, and I feel like there are there are do. just a lot there are a lot of ways to get in contact with us. Um, as Matt was saying earlier, you can contact him at underscore Matthew Rosado and me at John underscore McNish. Uh, you can get at us at uh, at Round Ball Rev. Uh, or at, I'm sorry, at roundball underscore rev. That was my mistake. Same on Instagram. Look us up on Facebook. We're everywhere. We're all over social media. You cannot escape us. Um, so you might as well just lean into it. Let's be fair. What do they say? Steer into the skid. Exactly. It's, it's we're doing this thing for you guys. It's, it's, uh, you know, from the bottom of our heart. Help uh, us help you. you guys. Exactly, man. Uh, just like Joel Embiid, we love the city of Philadelphia. We love the Sixers and we're never leaving. Facts only out here. Facts only. <laughs>